0: So honestly, we were not actively looking at that point for, you know, a new opportunity. We said, you know, we'll, you know, we'll keep on Pro, you know, keep building that. But we were looking for a timely opportunity to really make a positive impact on on our communities. And we all know it's no secret at this point that there is a serious mental health crisis around the world, but specifically here and here in the U.S. And regionally, it's worse than others. So... We've always thought of ourselves as conscious capitalists. What can we do to make positive change while you know, enriching our own lives and creating our own legacy?
1: Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today on the show, we have Andrew Garcia, a multi-unit franchise owner of Serve Pro and Ellie Mental Health. Prior to those two brands, he owned seven locations of college honks hauling junk and had a successful exit near 2020. Andrew has experience with multiple franchise brands and Ellie Mental Health in particular is one of the fastest growing franchises in America. So he gives us his take on why he bought in and why he thinks it could be one of the next big franchises. I think you'll enjoy this.
0: The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by The Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf,
1: Workweek, and Wolfpack franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Struggling to find great talent for all your restaurants? WiseHire makes it easy. Their expert hiring coaches and world-class tools and resources help your locations hire right every time. Learn more at com slash pod. I think, Andrew, a good place to start. Like, let's go to the 2014-ish time right around, you know, before you got started with college hunks. Uh, you know, like, w- what were you doing professionally at that time? And was there a certain moment where you're like, eh, I want to try to be a business owner?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a linear process, but went to college, graduated in 2009, went to college here in New Jersey, went right, you know, the economy went right off the cliff at that point, pretty much. So prospects for finding well-paid work or, you know, fulfilling work or, you know, anything along those lines, a lot of the opportunities were kind of washed out. So I did ultimately want to go into the workforce at that point, you know, super low paid job basically, I didn't even need a college degree for it. So but you know, I took it just to kind of, you know, start getting my feet wet a little bit. And I stayed in the workforce in the traditional sort of nine to five workforce, probably right up until about 2013. So I I did about a four year stretch after college, and I was just absolutely miserable. I was commuting into New York City every day, you know, 90 minutes to hour commute each way. It was just not what I saw for myself long term. So, what I started to do at that point was, and I always had the entrepreneurial bug. I just didn't know what angle I would pursue it at. So, I found, uh, which is p- pretty popular now, called flippa.com. Yep. So, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll buy myself a small website and I'll build it up, I'll scale it, and I'll resell it and see how it goes. Or maybe keep yeah. it, depending how it's, uh, what the trajectory looks like. So, um, I won't say the name of this one, but (laughs) I did wind up buying it. It turned out to be uh, essentially a clone of basically the guy who sold me the website. It was a basic software, a SaaS, you know, software. Okay. And he was just cloning it, and reselling them to like a bunch of people. No, no. So, um, so that wow. was my first foray into uh, you know entrepreneurship. So Oof. thankfully, you know, my partner, I have a partner as well. We you know kind of put our heads down and um, just rolled with it. You like we're like, you know what, we're gonna have to make this work now. You know, we invested some money. Looking yeah. back on it, it wasn't a lot of money, but for a first attempt, i was like, oh my god, we put you know X number of dollars into this. We we got we have to make this work. Yeah. So uh, you know, we built it up and. We probably grew it to, again, nothing massive, but probably about 200 active users. And uh, then we got acquired, not a big acquisition by any means, but it was our first win. I was like, okay, like now we're cooking. Yeah, after that, it's a weird sequence. So everything has kind of come one after the other, like one opportunity led right to another. So once we had that first sale, we got approached by a current franchisee of College Hunks Falling Junk up in Northern New Jersey. So I forget how I met him, but again, very happenstance. It wasn't anything planned. And yeah, so he reached out, again, forgot how I met him or how I even came in touch with him. But he's like, hey, I'm, I'm looking to sell, um, you know, my seven uh, territories of College hunks falling Junk. It's like, are you interested? I was like, yeah, of course I'm interested. But at that time, the, the money was, it was big money for that time. So my partner and I were kind of like teetering. We're like, well, we're not sure if we should do this. But uh, ultimately, you know, we we put together the money, we took the proceeds from the prior sale, rolled it right into that, um, got some SBA money. And yeah, that was the college hunk story. We just kind of got thrown in. It was a resale, so it wasn't a brand new franchise, but it might as well have been brand new because so many things were not to code, not the way they should be. And uh, we essentially had to rebuild from scratch.
1: And that was a local opportunity with it, like meaning it was just within New Jersey. You weren't like buying a territory across the country, like some folks do.
0: Yeah. So it actually, it wound up being local. So um, the branch was based out of Fairfield, New Jersey. I'm not sure if they still are, but um, yeah, it was basically the entire Northern New Jersey corridor, even into so what some would, you know, call central jersey <laughs> yeah i so don't know if that exists or not but anyway <laughs> uh, it did go into a uh, central jersey a little bit so it's a massive territory um several million potential customers big time opportunity that we got to take advantage of
1: now that's awesome yeah i mean well let's talk about just how going through well, i guess it was your second acquisition but obviously this one was much bigger scale like a seven territory franchise versus a uh, micro SaaS product mm-hmm. you know Did you leverage seller financing? Did you try to negotiate the price down? I mean, I'm assuming it was probably like most business, small business transactions. Like it it was just a multiple of EBITDA that you were basing it off of.
0: Yep. Yep. So you're saying uh, on the back end, the acquisition when we sold, right? No, I
1: mean, um, when you bought into it. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Like, you know, how did you and your partner approach that? Because it's, it's a much bigger scale than what you were used to at that time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so so honestly, we got a pretty good deal on that one. It did go based off of EBITDA. It wound up being like one and a half times or something like that. So pre- pretty, I mean...
1: Yeah, that's, that's not
0: bad. Yeah, for, for a service-based industry, usually two, two and a half for three, depending on some certain things. I mean, you know, as well as I do. Yeah, it wound up, you know, going for a low multiple. And you know, like I said, it was just kind of right place, right time. Like, you know what? we don't want to look back on this five, 10 years from now and say, man, we should have bitten the bullet. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we were, okay. no, I wouldn't say we were okay with failing, no. but we were more okay with failing than not taking the opportunity in the first place.
1: I agree. The only thing worse than failing is not knowing what would have happened. Yeah. And that goes for anything in, inside and outside of business. 100%. Yeah. So I, I hear you there. Yeah. Well, fascinating. I mean, so college hunk's right? Haul and junk. I mean, primarily for folks who don't know, moving and storage franchise right so you guys would go into people's houses help them move or just take away you know basically things they were trying to get rid of um this is accurate enough uh, uh, or like is there more in-depth services too um a little bit of all
0: of that so it's kind of two separate businesses in a sense where the one side is college hunks moving where like you mentioned yeah. you do moving and storage that's local moves that's in- interstate moves so out of state which we did a lot of, um, a lot of folks moving to the Carolinas, Florida, you know, Arizona.
1: Oh, wow. So you'd have truck drivers driving from Jersey all the way down there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, We we saw, you know, a pretty fair amount of that, especially during our time in the business. You know, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say older people, but let's say retired people, you know, who New Jersey is a tough place to afford at a certain point. So yes, um, we saw a lot of that, a lot of interstate moving. So that was the one side. We did do some storage. Storage is kind of, uh, it's a little tricky. There's some insurance stuff involved there that we decided we didn't want to get involved in as far as, you know, holding people's stuff for too long. But yeah, so we did that. The other side of the business was the junk hauling business, of course. And that was junk hauling donation pickups. We did a ton of, um, of repurposing, recycling donations to Goodwill, Habitat for Humanity, I think Restore is another one that we did a lot of uh, donation work with and trying to keep a lot of, you know, as much as we can out of the waste stream, books, clothing, um, furniture. So that was a sort of small piece of the business that we were actually very passionate about because, you know, we wanted to do it as environmentally, consciously as possible. So we put a lot of effort into that side of the business. Yeah. And then uh, general labor, something we did as well, which a lot of people don't realize the College Hunks franchise is offer. So we can go. Let's say someone's having their floors stripped and waxed, right? And they need all their furniture moved out of the house. Typically, they're gonna call some friends, and yeah. friends are gonna help. <laughs> they're gonna ding up the walls, and cause damage to you know, cause damage to the door jams on the way out. So we've seen a lot of situations go not so well <laughs> with that. So they would call us instead. They'd say, "Hey, I need two hunks, so to speak." three or four however many guys they needed to come essentially help them move the furniture out into their garage or up into the attic or wherever the floors get stripped and waxed so we come right back in on the back end reset all the furniture so uh that was called the general labor service where you know a moving truck wasn't needed a junk hauling truck wasn't needed it was more uh muscle yeah
1: now I, I didn't know they offered that either yeah that's interesting that was
0: about twenty uh, percent of our business probably just the basic general labor it, it was I need a piano moved. I need a piano moved upstairs. or I need a piano moved downstairs. Who, I mean, your friends aren't helping with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no. There's uh yeah, our, you know, growing up as a kid, my family's go-to. We, we'd call uh, one of our uncles. Um, who was just a big, strong guy and just could figure out how to move anything, basically. And, you know, me and my brothers would be the other people doing it. But Yeah, we had some dicey calls moving big pieces of furniture upstairs. And looking back, it was probably not smart for us little kids to be helping, but trying To save money,
0: we'd actually get calls where people were halfway through trying to do it themselves and something was stuck in a doorway, or
1: yeah, the, uh, it's know, the worst. Um, the walls torn Uncle up, bombs, yeah. uh,
0: you know, uh, <laughs> he, he rolled his ankle, or you know, all kinds of crazy stories. So, yeah, we did a lot of good work there.
1: That's awesome. And so, for a business like that, I'm actually pretty fascinated by it because I've been kind of exploring this area where a lot of franchise, multi unit franchise owners. They are typically in brick and mortar brands, the ones who scale to, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus locations. But it's very rare to see a large multi-unit owner of like a service oriented business like college Hall and junk. So you bought in from scratch, right? Jumping right into owning seven territories. And now you're out the other side with an exit. You know, I, I guess, A, did you try to scale to more locations? And if so, what happened?
0: Um, Yeah, we did not actually. So the the, the seven college hunks territories were, in the grand scheme of things, looking at a population density perspective was so massive. And we kind of got grandfathered into that, to be honest, like now, you know, sort of in today's day and age, so to speak, they want you going deeper, not wider. So, you know, they'll sell you one, maybe two territories and say, Okay, let's work this, let's build this, let's gain some saturation. And then let's talk. So we kind of, uh, not I wouldn't call it a loophole, but we got grandfather into a situation. <laughs>
1: little luck there. So a little bit yeah. of luck
0: for sure. So the seven territories were, I mean, even in the four or five years we were involved in the business, we were just touching the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah, no, I mean, we've had so much low hanging fruit that there was no, not even a need really to expand. Gotcha. Today, if we were still in that business per, for 100%, we would have gotten to EA, into Bucks County, you know, maybe even to uh, New York State. That would probably have been the most logical expansion. But yeah, we were busy bees with the seven territories. Well,
1: I guess, uh, I mean, what was the inspiration for selling? Uh, obviously, I, I know you have a couple other franchises in the mix now. So yeah. maybe it was just them. But was there something else where you, that you guys were like, yeah, like this is great, but we, we want to do something else.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, part of it was honestly, and other entrepreneurs like you and I can uh, you know understand this, there, there was some burnout for sure, yeah. which was a good lesson. We had to learn how to, not that we didn't, but we had to learn how to delegate more and how to delegate more efficiently. So that was part of it. And then there were some kind of like regulatory hurdles here in the state of New Jersey that were making the junk hauling side of the business very, very um, stringent, very difficult. And we thought to ourselves, okay, uh, is this a battle we want to fight for another four or five years, 10 years? So it's a matter of kind of, you know, hedging our bets and just saying, okay, this is, you know, a, a regulatory landscape that we may not want to be a part of. And I'm sure it changes through every, you know, regime, every uh, a new governor comes in, changes the rules a little bit, um, stuff like that. So yeah, it was twofold. It was some of that and also just combined with burnout really, you know, kind of told us, hey, you know, now it's time. Let's, you know, let's cash out. Um, let's really regroup, refocus and, you know, see what else is out there. And that's pretty, pretty much exactly how it worked. And then the very next opportunity, it's very odd, but the very next opportunity came right behind it, basically.
1: Really? Yeah. I was going to ask, do you take like, like, a, was there a long break or even like a, a vacation? <laughs> what was the... What was the recharge process? It's
0: actually, it's pretty funny. So my partner and I, we told ourselves, yeah, let's take at least a year. I was like, damn right. Let's take at least a year. That uh, sounds nice. Yeah, right. (laughs) Let's take a vacation. Let's do this and that. Never happened. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say maybe three months after we sold, um, an acquaintance at the time of ours uh, approached us, and he's now our partner as well. He approached us. He says, hey, um, do you guys know Pro?" We said, of course, no Surf Pro. You see the commercials, you know, they've been around forever. Yeah. He says, hey, there's a really great resale uh, just outside of Philadelphia. So of like, ouch, that's kind of far, you know, this and that. So we decided to go forward. We looked into it a little bit. Six months later, we were closed. <laughs> <laughs> Even actually,
1: couldn't resist. And
0: maybe I would say from selling college hunts to getting into Surf Pro was maybe six or seven months. Okay. Didn't reach the year. Didn't take the vacation. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those funny stories where, you know, you tell yourself you're going to do these things and, and, and don't get me wrong. We did have some time to recalibrate and sort of get our minds back to a, you know, sort of normal. Oh, thing. for sure. Um, so we're, we're grateful for that, but we're also grateful that the opportunity came up and we jumped on it.
1: So a hundred percent. Yeah. Now I, I found that when you're at the like worst, like the deepest, point of the burnout feeling, that even as intense and as like brutal as that could feel, I, at least for me, I have, I recharged far quicker than I expect in that moment, meaning, you know, before I started the Wolf of Franchises and really kind of went all in on this, I had been with the this startup in the franchise world, which kind of gave me all this experience meeting franchise owners and also, you know, understanding franchisors and how many of them are out there. I mean, it was a three to four person team we were all doing a ton of work. And, and I ended up leaving for multiple reasons. But yeah. I just remember thinking I need time off. And within like by the middle of the second week off, I was like back on my computer every day, like researching things, coming up with startup ideas. And eventually it led me to the wolf. But yeah, like within that long of just being like, oh, okay, I'm done. Like that's in behind me. All of a sudden you just feel free and you feel energized again a lot quicker
0: hundred percent, too. I mean, another sort of stimulus there, too, is, you know, when you're in business, you're used to, you know, for the most part, you take a check, you take a distribution, whether it's monthly, quarterly, whatever you can when that stops it doesn't matter how much you sold the business for you have that feeling in the back of your head like man the check stopped <laughs> it's so it's a little bit more fire under the butt to say okay what's next?" no
1: definitely yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so that's how it went pretty much
1: love it well yeah well let's talk about serve pro so yep. it's a restoration franchise i actually don't know too much about it yep but um i guess if you can give just like the elevator pitch for what you do as a serve pro franchisee that would be great
0: i can definitely do that so serve pro um so again, been around for a number of years, several decades. It's essentially evolved into, uh, well, specifically in our franchise, and most franchises provide the same level of service and same you know, offerings. But for us, it's water and flood damage, number one. That's probably our biggest line item. Mold remediation, uh, fire and smoke. So anytime there's a fire, anytime there's a small kitchen fire, we go in and take care of that. Reconstruction, let's say there's a kitchen fire, right? We can go in, get rid of the smoke, damage um and then we go in and actually replace appliances replace cabinets replace flooring and essentially um the slogan is like it never even happened is the servpro slogan so that's kind of what we live by is you have god forbid have a kitchen fire when you get back in it's going to be like it never even happened so um yeah and we do some other things as well we do some biohazard cleaning so you know when covid was you know at its worst we were you know battling that from a cleaning perspective and sanitizing but yeah that's pretty much the short elevator pitch it's um uh, Essentially any kind of catastrophic damage that can happen to a commercial or residential property, we get called in and yeah. you know, we bring it back to uh, you know, the way it was <laughs> before it happened. So
1: franchise owners, are you struggling to hire for your restaurants? Wise hire makes it easy. Expert hiring coaches plus world-class tools and resources take the hard work out of posting job ads, screening candidates, scheduling interviews, and more. Plus, you'll save time and money. For the right hire, for every location, every time, choose WiseHire. Visit wisehire.com pod to learn more. That's W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E. So these businesses really interest me. And this is what I want to key in on for listeners, right? You as a business owner are getting paid a lot of the time by insurance providers. Yes,
0: correct. Yeah, I say the vast majority is insurance pay for sure. Yeah.
1: So that's, I think, just it's rare in a, a great, you're a home services provider in a way like that's how people would categorize the franchise, so they put them, they lump them in with the gutter cleaning franchises and lawn mowing franchises and house painting franchises. But in those scenarios, you're haggling with the homeowner to say, "Hey, like you know, we're going to charge you fifteen hundred bucks to paint the house." I'm just making that number up. I have no idea if that's high or low. But in your case, right, it's oh, we just had a fire, or oh, there was you know Hurricane Sandy, and now we got flooding, and like our first floor is destroyed. But they've been paying for insurance that they're going to get a premium there that that covers it. So. Yeah, for you, what does that mean as a business owner? You know, like, are you going after insurance companies to like get a book of business or do you convince the homeowners to work with ServPro?
0: So it's twofold. We do have a certain percentage of work that's self-pay. So the customer will just call us in and say, hey, um, I have some groundwater in my basement. They'll say, hey, I don't feel like paying the deductible. I'll just pay you guys directly. So we do have some of that. And again, in that situation, they're not looking to haggle. They have a few inches of water in their basement. They just want it gone. They're not going to call the next guy. But yeah, the vast majority is insurance work. So it is nice, you know, where the emotion is taken out of
1: it. Exactly. So
0: that is a nice piece. Insurances can be a pain in the butt on their own, for sure. (laughs) Uh, There's its own, you know, a certain set of challenges there. But yeah, for the most part, it does take out an element of stress for both us and the homeowner or the commercial landlord where they have all this damage. And not only are they dealing with the physical and emotional piece of that, they're not having to, you know, deal with the bill and, you know, haggle with us on X, Y, Z. So it's good in that sense.
1: And I'm also thinking it'd just be, uh, I mean, for me, I've specifically tried to avoid any business where there's kind of, uh, like where my customer is at a point of pain and suffering for like lack of a better way of explaining it. Like I'm fascinated by a lot of things. That's why I like what I do. Cause I get to just talk to different business owners, but like psychology, is really interesting in the human brain and like therapy, but that's right. Like now, you're kind of like you could if you want to charge and be capitalist, you can charge your clients more and more. But then it's like at the same time you're trying to help someone. So yeah, businesses a like that, there. but there's there a is balance. a balance. Yeah, it's sure. and the, you know then there's the pharmaceutical industry, which oh yeah, I think uh, everyone knows is a problem in America. But yeah, so that's interesting. But I guess so. Let's say there's a hurricane, like you know, and I'm thinking of this. I know you know we're both New Jersey native. so the Jersey Shore. Back in the day from Hurricane Sandy got decimated and tons of houses were flooded. So if like that house is your client, is someone from ServPro, you know, and maybe it's you as the owner, are you walk kind of like assessing the damage with some representative from the insurance company? And then you guys kind of somewhat negotiate like, okay, we're going to like, this is going to cost X amount, like the homeowner is going to get X amount of dollars back and then you're going to get paid this much based on, but you know, I I guess what I'm getting as I can see. An insurance company maybe underpaying you because you are maybe going to say, "Hey, this is going to cost me three to seven or nine days in labor, and you're only paying X amount. Like that's not enough." Does that happen?
0: It does happen, yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and to go back to the hurricane scenario, you know, we have special storm teams as well, where they just focus basically solely on storm work. But that's you're going to see that more in you know the southern states, uh, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, where they'll have a crew. Just go house to house, basically, or commercial buildings, commercial building. Yeah. Set equipment, get the situation stabilized, move on to the next one, and then the estimator comes in right behind them and takes care of all the, uh, you know, the financial stuff. Um, we don't do as much of that work, but you know, to the other scenario, it definitely happens a lot. When it depends on the insurance company you're dealing with, where, you know, you submit an invoice and they're trying to chop off multiple line items, saying, you didn't need this, you didn't need that. However, we're following what's called uh, iICRC guidelines, so the IICRC is basically the governing body, if you will, or the standards in the restoration industry and says how each particular situation should be handled work to, yeah. to be done properly so it's a balancing act there where you're trying to do the work the proper way you know for the, and, and do right by the customer. But also, you know, having your business hat on and saying, "Okay, I can't take a bunch of lashings here, (laughs) you know, that's by a thousand cuts sort of situation where my, you know, my bill went from 10,000 to 5,000. That is, you know, so while it sounds glamorous, it's good in a sense to be dealing with the insurance companies because, again, it gets rid of that emotional baggage to a degree. But that is the challenge, is you know, and, and it's not across the, the whole insurance industry. There's certain carriers that are going to be, you know, more amenable than others, but it's definitely something you got to be mindful of because your profitability can get away from you quickly if, you know, if you don't have a little bit of pushback <laughs> um, or, or some negotiating skills, so to
1: speak. Completely agree. Yeah. Wow. It's such a different dynamic that that introduces. It is. So you've been in that business for a few years now, and I know also that you've purchased a territory of a separate brand for Ellie Mental Health. Yes. Um, which for folks who maybe don't know, if you subscribe to the Wolf Report newsletter, you probably saw it covered in the last few months. But yeah, I mean, that franchise has taken off and sold hundreds and hundreds of units. Yep. So fast growing brand. Uh, yeah, from your perspective as, you know, you've seen a few brands and owned a few brands prior to that already. So, yep. you know, what excited you about the brand to the point where you're like, yeah, let's become multi-brand franchise owners.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, honestly, we were not actively looking at that point for you know a new opportunity. We said, you know, we'll you know we'll keep on Serve Pro, you know, keep building that. But we were looking for a timely opportunity to really make a positive impact on, on our communities. And we all know it's no secret at this point that there is a serious mental health crisis around the world, but specifically here and here in the U.S. and regionally, it's worse than others. So. We've always thought of ourselves as conscious capitalists. What can we do to make positive change while, you know, enriching our own lives and creating our own legacy? That's a tricky thing, you know, to, to do in the business climate we're in. So yeah, it was very random. I was um, one of the multitude of like franchise search engines. I forget which one it was. It may have been France <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And uh, really, the logo just caught my eye. It was a really cool logo with the two elephants. I was like, oh, interesting. It's, it just looked fresh. I was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Then I saw Ellie Mental Health. I was like, wait a minute. You think, you, typically you don't think franchising and mental health in the same, usually they're not spoken in the same sentence. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because typically you're going to see the really big players like Gen Psych or some of these other, you know, regional or national players. And then you're going to have your standard, you know, solo practitioner who has a small practice. There wasn't really anything in the middle. So sure enough, started doing my research. Found out it was a franchise model, which again took a little bit of getting used to because when you think of franchising, you think of the restaurant industry or quick service restaurants, service businesses to a little bit of a lesser degree. So yeah, we did our due diligence. We talked to all the folks over there at Ellie Corporate in Minnesota. We did our uh, discovery day visit and beyond the desire to make you know positive impact and positive change in our communities the LE team there in Minnesota was really what, you know, kind of got us over the edge. There was just an integrity and an authenticity that we hadn't seen in other, you know, franchises that we had explored in the past. And really, again, just a passion for the mission. So almost everyone there at LE corporate comes from a therapist background, a clinical background. So that's a vote of confidence too, because you say, okay, you know, 98, 99% of folks in the organization, have lived this, have been through this, have, you know, done this hard work. And now there's an opportunity for, you know, people like me and my partner who are not clinicians to say, okay, we can partake in their mission, you know, here locally in New Jersey and, you know, really take it to scale and say, okay, now, you know, this opportunity to affect the mental health in a positive way in our community would have never existed without this model. So, um, yeah, I mean, it all just, it felt right. It felt good. The timing was right, as I mentioned before, with the current crisis, um, especially in the adolescent community. So being able to not only, you know, build a business, have a great partner in LE Corporate or LE Headquarters in Minnesota, it's an opportunity to, you know, join forces and again, really, you know, make a strong impact and not just our local community, but even beyond that. Because mental health it affects generations and it affects you know beyond borders, so it's exciting in that regard. Um, we're very, very uh, again pleased with the concept and the people and the outlook. It's
1: it. promising. That's great to hear. Uh, yeah, I mean obviously from like a franchise perspective, it's been on my radar for a little while, so that's interesting. Just to you're the first owner of one that I've spoken to. Yeah, from for you as a, right, you're not a therapist. I think this would be interesting for people to hear because there's tons of franchises out there that maybe require a a certain set of skilled labor or even licensed labor, let's call it. So, you know, the joint chiropractic, if folks have heard of them, yep. you do not have to be a chiropractor to own that. There are vet clinics, you know, for dogs and cats where you do not have to be a veterinarian to own them. And, you know, Ellie's the same way. You don't have to be a therapist, right, to own the business. Correct. So is there any nuance, you know, that you've noticed with that so far and I guess, you know, you very much so depend on a therapist for you to be in business. So what was that process like? Kind of, I know, I'm sure there's therapists who they prefer their own independent practice and all that. Uh, You know, is there a value add there where you say, hey, if you're a therapist under Ellie, you know, maybe I'm going to guess, right, if I was doing this, that you guys provide the tech, you do all the marketing, you do everything that maybe a therapist wouldn't want to do as a business owner, hopefully for them is what I'd guess. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of it?
0: That's 100% correct. So there is some nuance there. So yeah, in most, I want to say in almost all the 50 states, 40 some odd states, you do have to partner with a uh, licensed clinician. So basically how it works is there's, there's two entities. So there's going to be the management group, which is the non clinicianed owner or the owner who does not come from a clinical background. And then there's the professional entity, They all roll up under LE Mental Health, under your LLC, but it's called Corporate Practice of Medicine. That's the name of the regulation. So, and it's, again, it's in 40 or 45 states where, and it's a good thing. It basically, it eliminates, you know, profiteering and, you know, poor business practices because the, you know, the patient, their health comes first. And we we are absolutely on board with that. So in that regard, that's where the separate professional entity comes into play, where your licensed therapist, your licensed clinician essentially runs that piece. So you, you made a point earlier where it's a very, very important piece of the business is to find not only a qualified clinician, but one that you trust and can build a rapport with, because it's such a crucial part of the business that if you don't take those initial due diligence steps to find that right person your business could be in jeopardy from day one. So yeah, it is extremely important and imperative that not only do you interview the person, but you build a trust level with that person because they are ultimately at the lead of the clinical arm of the business. So that's the nuance there. And as far as why a therapist would want to work with Ellie Mental Health, it's exactly what you mentioned. It's the resources that the management entity can provide. So So we're Garcia Management Group, right? Just to to use that name. We provide all the marketing, the human resources, the technology, the infrastructure, payroll, community outreach, anything non-clinical, that's us. And the clinical arm is the therapist. So it's essentially, it's kind of a marriage of sorts too, where, you know, we both rely on each other for this thing to, you know, progress forward. And I found that unique too, because you know in other models your labor force is very important but you can change you can hire a new manager you can hire a new ops person you can hire a new hr person relatively quickly but you know rebuilding a new relationship with a licensed clinician to take over if something didn't work out that's a bit a bit harder because again you have to build that rapport and make sure that the person you're ultimately partnering with cuz it, it is a partnership to a degree You need to be damn sure that, you know, you're going to have a nice long ride together and one that's, you know, again, there's integrity and trust and transparency there that that's going to be the most important piece, even beyond their experience to a degree, I I would say anyway.
1: A hundred percent. No, I agree. It's a people business, you know, uh, uh, and like like most are. Yeah. So, well, that's exciting. So, I mean, I guess just uh, kind of in wrapping up here, I mean, so you own two serve pro territory still. I know you said that the first Ellie Mental Health Clinic set to open later this year. Yep, probably right, in June. June? Okay, beautiful. Long-term, you know, what's your goal here, do you think? Uh, you've had a few experiences under your belt, so now, you know, to me, it's like I'd say, yeah, you're in, like, phase three, which is pretty awesome, you know, with, with Serve Pro and then Ellie. So is the goal, you know, maybe more exits, kind of the way you do with College chunks, or are you kind of trying to build maybe one of these more bigger, diversified portfolios and and, uh, kind of build something for the long-term?
0: Yeah, definitely the latter. We're looking to, again, sort of go deeper, not wider for a bunch of reasons, just from a resource perspective, from a manpower perspective. And again, just New Jersey being so densely packed, you have so much opportunity in such a small area in most parts of New Jersey. So um, with that said, uh, on the Ellie front, we're going to be opening, we are actually contracted for a second clinic The second clinic will probably open early 2024. And we're just going to kind of see how it goes from there. Because honestly, if it goes well, and we have no reason to think it wouldn't, we'd go for a third a fourth, then, you know, kind of just keep going. Yeah. Here's where I think our trajectory changes is we've been in multiple brands. I think the way we'd want to uh, proceed is focus on fewer brands, but go deeper with those brands. Because, you know, you, I mean, you're a franchising expert. When you you, know, you get into a new franchise, there's a whole set of new set of expectations, a new brand standard, a new everything that you have to adapt to, which is great. I mean, if something came along in the future that was just so interesting, you know, it's not, not to say we wouldn't do it. But I think, you know, we're all in on Surpro and Ellie right now. We're just going to keep pushing them, grow. And Ellie's, like I said, is particularly exciting because there's something special there that we can do that, I dare to say most businesses can't and uh, the mental health space. It's just so, you know, it's delicate and so important and, and it's so crucial to our well-being that um, that's it's particularly uh, exciting for me as we, you know, kind of move forward, open our first location, hit the ground running. I could see us doing four or five. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe even more. It's just uh, Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of taking the ride. You know, seeing where, (laughs) you know, that's how we're pursuing things. We're not putting too many expectations on ourselves. We're just saying, let's put in the work. Let's put in the, you know, the elbow grease and what's going to come is going to come. So, yeah, that's kind of how we like to
1: operate. I like it. That's a good mentality. Well, it's super exciting. I mean, it could be in for a great ride with that brand. And I hope so, uh, because I love the mission that they have as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, look, Andrew, this has been a lot of fun. You know, is there anywhere... Uh, online where people want to follow you personally or just even kind of all your business and franchises, you know, uh, any good spots online that they can kind of check out?
0: Yeah, best spot is uh, just give our our website, skyvisionventures.com. That has all the information on me, my partners, kind of what we're up to, what we stand for. Yeah, and sort of our, our, our roadmap for the future. So I'd say that's probably the best spot to learn a little more. And, you know, we're open book. We always love talking to, you know, other entrepreneurs, other business owners, you know other folks uh, that are in the same in the same battle, the same trenches so to speak. So we love to connect with
1: anyone and everyone love it. Uh, well yeah we'll plug skyvisionventures.com in the show notes uh, everyone so you can check that out. appreciate it and um, yeah Andrew thanks again and you know we'll, we'll talk soon.
0: Absolutely. thank you so much for the time I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.